0: Welcome, Midnight Warriors, to a very, 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 very special episode of War Starts at Midnight. I'm Hunter Cates.
1: And I'm Chris Gallagher. On today's show, we're paying penance for cinematic oversights with a war crimes review of the 1963 madcap comedy, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World.
0: Then in special features, we'll discuss some of our favorite movie titles ever during Insert Title Here.
1: And finally, we'll wrap up the show as we always do with some really rad recommendations. But first...
0: Well, you folks probably didn't realize we have an L.A. correspondent. However, that L.A. is actually Louisiana. Joining us via Voodoo Magic is our Bayou Bureau-based Cajun correspondent. Who dat, hunna? Jacob Graves. Welcome,
2: Jacob. Hey, guys. How's it going?
0: So, Jacob, I believe the last time you were on our program was whenever I was uh, off. It was the Mad Max review. So, as you pointed out before we started recording, you're actually kind of our mad uh, our mad guest host
2: yes I, I i actually thought this was a mad max movie and so i got really confused until all the driving started
0: well there's a lot of desert and a lot of driving so it's reasonable yeah yeah it's
1: you know that that's understandable i think and then i
0: think you first were on our show uh, second episode for harmontown so it's about dan Harmon. so there is a running theme of madness in your guest appearances certainly
2: yeah i'm, I'm starting to wonder why chris invites me for these these particular films?
0: Well, I think it's because you're a very sober-minded individual.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh uh-huh.
0: So, speaking of past episodes, back at episode five, our Gone Girl review, the subtitle of that episode is James Cameron Sold His Soul to Satan. So... I
1: I totally forgot about
0: that. Yeah, exactly. So the pertinence of that is that it was recently announced that James Cameron will be shooting not one, not two, not three, but actually four sequels to Avatar concurrently. This has never been done before. So I'm curious, gentlemen, is James Cameron crazy or will his bargain with Beelzebub continue to bear forbidden fruit?
1: Um, I I don't think I'm the best person to ask this question to because I would say that although Avatar made a lot of money... um, I don't know how, like, who, are there people out there who want Avatar sequels? Well, and
0: that's, that's the big question. Um, Jake, was Avatar something that you cared much for?
2: I cared so little that I didn't even go and see it and I I love the I love process i I thought that that was gonna be like the one 3d movie that was gonna be great because of how it was shot and all that and I wasn't even motivated to get out the chair so to me if James Cameron did sell his soul to Satan the punishment for that is making not one not two not three but four avatar sequels
0: well and the astounding thing is is like you said like Chris said like I said I mean I thought it was all right but it wasn't I didn't understand how it made three billion dollars one billion dollars more than the recently released Star Wars The Force Awakens. So it just begs the question, I mean, I can't really think of any other solution, logical solution, other than he sold his soul to Satan. That's the only thing that makes sense to
1: me. Does
2: putting the name James Cameron in front of a movie just make it make $3 billion? Did Avatar have anything besides that?
1: I I, See, my curiosity is, was this a right place, right time sort of scenario where 3D movies were just coming in as the new sort of, thing for for theaters and it, it was one of those we needed something like avatar to be a showcase um because i think it did if it did anything well it was presenting 3d in a way that felt a little less hokey than we're all used to um but is that really something that's going to be an enduring quality um throughout and and something that like now that we have gr- some pretty great 3d movies that have that have come out like i don't I don't even think it holds up against against those like right. i mean I saw I saw the jungle book took my niece um last weekend and I think that looks significantly better than avatar on on all fronts on the 3 d front and on the animation front
0: see that's that's interesting because it, you're i think you're absolutely right is avatar really was it's an event picture it was kind of like the moon landing for movies as far as 3 d was concerned and so that was his his brilliance and his innovation of being first. Perhaps for these sequels, he'll be doing them in 4DX. Maybe that'll be the innovation perhaps. he releases with these. And so we'll be able to smell the the jungles of Pandora and all that unobtainium,
1: the, the smell of unobtainium. Here's the thing. I think um, there's, there's potential with the world of Avatar to make good movies. Um, the first one just wasn't that. So, I mean, maybe it's a situation where um like a like a fast fast and furious situation where they they kind of get their groove and they they find something that works they add the rock in exactly and then and then these avatar movies turn out great but as it stands right now i don't really care i'm not i'm not enthusiastic i'm amazed that um this just seems like a huge risk even with the amount of money that it made at the time, the so, first one.
0: So let's put ourselves in James Cameron's shoes. Even though there's a potential to make Avatar sequels, where there wasn't that potential with Titanic, is this a smart move to shoot any sequels? Let, let's let alone four, but any sequels, or is he better off trying to do something else? What do you guys think?
2: I mean, I, I would think doing something else. We want we want to see cre- uh, directors do new creative things. Watching a director do the same. It's not going to be the same film, but the same universe five straight times seems to limit what Cameron's capable of to me.
0: On the flip side, I would argue that one of his, maybe one one of his best movies, if not his best, is T2. So is the potential that A2 will be the T2 of the, what, the 21st century?
1: I mean, I think it's possible, but uh, (laughs) T2 is also, as much as I love and adore T2, T2 is a dated movie. Um, I guess, you know, putting putting a movie on Pandora and et cetera, you're going to get away from I, I'm sure you're not going to have any Oslo Vista babies or, um, you know, uh, all of all of these because there, there's a lot of dialogue in T2 that's just bad. Like as far as it feels like it feels like Bart Simpson saying cowabunga, dude, essentially.
2: Chris, do you not like Terminator
1: 2? No, I do.
2: Is, is, is the Terminator itchy? Is that what it is? No, 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 no. no. I,
1: I, like, I like Terminator 2. I don't like Terminator. I think Terminator is sort of a schlocky movie. I, and we've we've discussed this on the show. Hunter, yeah. you're of the opinion that he wasn't playing in a sandbox big enough, right?
0: Exactly. And I wouldn't say that Terminator 2, or rather Arnold Schwarzenegger, is itchy. He's probably more sweaty. Yeah. He's, he's not very I wanted to ask you sweaty. guys
2: a challenge question. Will Avatar 4 be released in 3D?
1: Yeah, definitely. It, it'll definitely be released in 3D. Here's
2: why I say that are a lot of movies still going to be coming out in 3d in four or five years when that's scheduled to come out? How, how many years from now is that going to come out?
1: I think it'll definitely be 3d partially because there is the, as far as industry goes, the, um, the theaters have put so much investment in making everything 3d and it's a, it's one of those things that pads out, um, uh, it pads out gross. So, and and the technology is only getting better and better, so I don't I don't see it going away
0: anytime soon. I actually think it'll be a seventy millimeter roadshow picture that he actually takes all these Avatar sequels on the road, and you have to see them at specialty theaters in Kansas City and places like that. You
2: made my heart jump, but I thought it was because it was a, a road a road film, like like <laughs> Avatar as a road trip on a. Well, uh, well, how Pandora? many stories
0: are there to tell about Pandora? I mean, one of them is probably going to be a road trip. One of them is going to be a buddy comedy. Uh, I mean, it's up in the air what the others will be. Did
2: you guys hear the Kevin Smith story about Avatar? No. Uh, Real quick, I only only read about it on Reddit, but he he wants Cameron to let him make clerks on Pandora. Just the same technology, but he just makes essentially clerks, like a, a buddy's running a store on Pandora.
0: You know, honestly, given that they're doing a sequel to Men in Black that mixes the Men in Black and 21 Jump Street universes, we laugh about that now. That's probably not that... Outlandish for the Avatar cinematic universe, which we're clearly <laughs> getting for them to do that.
1: I I think though um, it would make a lot more sense for uh, for Kevin Smith to do something like that with Star Wars. I mean, basically take take what he was talking about with clerks, you know, with the um, you know they're just normal dudes on the Death Star, and do like do the super meta thing and actually make it you know just about stormtroopers. Going through their day to day lives.
0: Well, that's probably the only thing, the equivalent, that's probably the only thing that could get us interested in an Avatar sequel or four or five sequels.
1: Yeah. So you
0: heard our opinion, folks. We're apathetic about it, but surely someone's enthusiastic about it, at least uh, studio executives at Fox. So watch tell us your opinion at Hello at War Starts
1: at In the meantime, buckle up, because we got a pile of cash to find as we review our collective war crime. It's a mad, 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 mad world.
3: That's this dope, It's all this dough. 350 G's. Do you hear what I'm saying? 350 G's. In the park. In Rosita. Rosita, big state park. Just out of Dago in Santa Rosita. It's in this box. Buried under this... (laughs) Buried under this big W. You'll see it. You'll see it under this... Under this big W. You can't miss it. A big, a big W. And it's been there, and it's been laying there for 15 years. Let's get Let's get sick, get him We're out. He may die. He's Listen, tough. I tell you, I'm giving it to you. And don't let, you. don't let him kid you. Don't let him kid you. Don't let him give you the business, see? Because it was mine, and I paid for it. Paid for every lousy buck of it, you hear? But watch out. Watch out for the bulls. Lousy, stinking bulls are everywhere. Bulls all over the place. You just drive down and dig it up. Dig it all up.
1: Every so often, Hunter and I like to owe up to our cinematic sins and discuss a seminal film from the past that at least one of us has somehow overlooked. These reviews are shamefully dubbed Our War Crimes. This week, we both stand trial for our collective oversight of Stanley Kramer's 1963 road comedy, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. This is the type of film that begs the cliched outburst. They just don't make them like they used to. From its nearly three-hour runtime to its insanely wide, ultra-PanaVision scope, and of course, that never-ending cast, including Spencer Tracy, Edie Adams, Jonathan Winters, Milton Berle, Sid Caesar, Buddy Hackett, Ethel Merman, Dorothy Provine, Mickey Rooney, Phil Silvers, Terry Thomas, Dick Shawn, And that's just the principal players. On top of that, there's over 50 supporting turns and cameos by everyone from Carl Reiner to Buster Keaton and the Three Stooges. And if that's not enough for you, there's even a surprise guest appearance by Dick Sean's- Chris! This is a family show. Sort of. Oh, right. Well, let's just say a 70mm film is perhaps the worst place for an unfortunate wardrobe malfunction.
2: Wait, Dick Sean slipped a nip?
1: Uh, never mind. Okay, so the bulk of It's a Mad, 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 Mad world doesn't offer much in way of plot. What little is provided revolves around a group of selfish strangers risking life and limb in a race to uncover $350,000 in stolen cash hidden somewhere under a mysterious W. Jake, I'm curious. You've been pushing this movie on me for years and years. What is it about IAMMMMW that makes it an all-time classic in your eyes and a war crime for penitent patrons of the cinema like Hunter and myself? And Hunter? As I've said, this is an incredibly long comedy with hardly any narrative. Was the massive metric ton of star power behind this picture enough to justify its exorbitant scale? Jacob,
0: being the genteel Southern host that I am, I'm going to defer the floor to you. Why do you like I-A-M-M-M-M-W so much? Well,
2: as a longtime fan of uh, cartoons and the Looney Tunes, this, to me, is like a cartoon come to life on the screen. There's larger-than-life personalities doing... Really, things that uh, pushed the the limits of what you could believe people could do. Um, worth the price of a mission alone is Jonathan Winters destroying a, a service station.
1: I, uh, Jonathan Winters doing a lot of things. Just, I mean, worth the price of a mission alone for me. Jonathan Winters' face in this movie—it's incredible.
2: It the, when when he goes to uh, chase down uh, Phil Phil Silver's character. Mm-hmm. Um that 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 is the best like um coyote and roadrunner bit in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. His, his 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 part alone is great and that's not to mention Spencer Tracy is great, Sid Caesar is hilarious the entire time, Buddy Hackett's great. The the cast is really 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 strong in this. And granted the comedy a little dated for what what we are used to now. But growing up, having seen it as a kid, this was as funny as as a movie could get.
0: Okay, so you said growing up as a kid, so you actually saw this at a young age.
2: Oh yeah, I've I've seen it multiple times. I've probably I, I told Chris this. Um, uh, the one impression that my mom does um, that she that I remember from a little kid, she does. Um, uh, Sylvester's girlfriend's dance from when the mom calls her, the one with the, where she's just staring straight forward and moving her arms at the sides. Uh, My mom has done that forever and it is hilarious. So yes, I definitely grew up with this movie.
0: You know, Jake, this really sucks. I, I'm getting ready to make things really awkward because I was kind of hoping you just saw this in high school or college and liked it. And, but the fact that it's been with you since childhood, I'm going to be a complete monster. I didn't really like this really I here's the here's the thing I will will back the truck up I was this movie reminds me of a quote given by Stanley Kubrick to Steven Spielberg after 1941 which this movie reminds me of where he said it's great but it's just not funny and that that was kind of my well it wasn't kind of that was my reaction to this. And so, that, like I said, I feel like a complete monster right now because so,
2: – No, no. A- as an asterisk, I will say this. This is the first time I've seen it start to finish probably in 10 years. And in the meantime, I've seen 1941, and I hated that movie. And this re- there were parts of this movie that reminded me a lot of it and not in a good way.
0: Well, le- then let's, let's talk about this a little bit. Chris, I get the impression – well, actually, Chris, let- let's go to you. Did you like it? What, what was your opinion? What, of-
1: what impression do you get, Hunter?
0: That you, I actually I think that you are three out of four stars. You appreciated, but you weren't over the moon that, with it. That's probably I,
1: I'd probably go three and a half. Um, because I, I I have a real weird thing with the star rating where if I do three, I feel like I feel like it's like I'm disappointed in the movie. Is like it's, it, I liked it, but I'm disappointed. I, yeah, I
2: was I was thinking about it before I came in, and I, I couldn't justify giving it a three, but I would give it a four out of five if that makes sense. So like four out of five words, doesn't feel as as scathing as three out of four does to this film.
0: So in other words, that you both like it about as much as Roger Ebert liked Garfield,
1: is how you guys... (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly what we're saying. Yeah. Um, uh No, I I like this movie. I appreciate this movie. I love, like, there's so many things I love about it, in spite of the fact that there are so many things that are bloated or maybe dated or what have you. Like, it's a... You know, I, I'm a real. I love the technical side of things. This is a beautiful movie, shot in insane like 2.76 to one uh, ultra Panavision scope. Um, it's uh, and I, I had the uh, good fortune of actually seeing it on a big screen. It happened to be just before, um, so we decided uh, recording the last episode that this is what we were going to do or just before. And then like that weekend it was playing at Cinemark. And so I went, uh, went with a buddy and we saw it on the big screen and he was kind of like Jake grew up with it as a kid as well. His first time seeing it on the big screen. It's, uh, it's a pretty fun experience that way. And so, um, there's that, but I'll, I'll admit like I, I rewatched quite a bit of it, um, this week preparing because it had been a couple weeks since I'd seen it. And it's one of those movies that if this was on, like if this was on HBO, you know, in the middle of the day, I would probably I wouldn't watch the whole thing, but I would lose lose some time watching it, it has that quality to it. It just I, I totally get your like what what is it that you don't like? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll
0: try and be brief um, as best you can about about a picture that's three hours long. My issues with it. I mean, like I said, I don't think it's that funny. And so I was trying to think of why it's not that funny. And here's why is. All of these comedians, none of them except for Phil Silvers, none of them are really playing their persona. I think you could swap out any of them. Milton Berle could play the Mickey Rooney character, Buddy Hackett. I mean, he's kind of the Buddy Hackett persona, but he could play Jonathan Winters and vice versa. So here's what I think happened is you have Stanley Kramer, who was not just a dramatic director, but a social justice director. He had done Inherit the Wind and Judgment at Nuremberg around this time. So this is some really, really deep stuff. And I think what happened is he just thought, you know what? Let's get all of the stand-up and TV comedians, put them in a three-hour movie. It'll automatically be funny. But I, I think most of the comedians in this, for lack of better words, it didn't really feel like they were confident in what they were doing. It's almost like whenever you're at your first job and you know what you're doing, but you don't want to rock the boat. You just want people to tell you what to do. And so it didn't really feel like any of these comedians who have their own specific skill sets were allowed to – be themselves so to speak and so i think that's what took away from the comedy from me and also just the the runtime i'm not sure that actually i i do feel that three hours is not conducive to a comedy in my opinion particularly one that's supposed to be fast-paced wham bam thank you ma'am mm-hmm.
2: There there is one one person in the cast for sure i think embodies the role and i think dick Shawn does an amazing job as sylvester he is the most committed and and fully like into his role of anybody in the in the film. I think.
0: Well, speaking of committed and into their their role, is one of my favorite actors is Spencer Tracy, and it, I do think they may have just shot his part in a day it, because it was mostly in one location. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. In, I was doing some research on IMDb, and what's funny about it is apparently all the comedians were just in absolute awe and were taking turns trying to make him laugh, and it was succeeding because. Spencer Tracy even though he was kind of cold a lot of the times so he could also be you know the the guy at the bar so to speak I would almost rather see that movie is comedians trying to entertain Spencer Tracy
1: I so I I get what you're saying and I I don't necessarily disagree but I I guess I don't know. I I found enjoyment out of it still because there aren't there aren't a, necessarily a ton of places where I have belly laughs. I think Jonathan Winters, as I said before, like he gives several faces throughout this, particularly when Phil Silvers kind of dupes him and leaves him on the side of the highway uh, with the bike, and then um, he's trying to thumb a ride and car f- flies by, and there's just this reaction. It cuts to him, and he just sort of. It's a perfect. Uh, sort of reaction gif to I actually I went and I made this gif because I'm going to use it for yeah, I was about to ...for, say that, for yeah. conversations and such in the in the future. But just his face kind of goes from like like, oh I'm gonna be saved and then they you know they pass him by and it's like that that face is still stuck on him and then it just slowly dissolves into like, why would you why would you do this to me? Like it's almost, it's a very childlike sort of. Thing.
0: Well, and, and and here's the thing, as you saw it in 70 millimeters, uh, Jacob's probably seen it, you know, well over 10 times. I saw it on Amazon Prime on a Sunday evening mm-hmm. on, a, on an IMAX. So maybe the, the experience, this was made for a movie theater. So maybe that was what took it away from me. I will give it that because honestly, there is not, re- there—it it is a rare occasion that I've wanted to like a movie more than I wanted to like this. And so I felt bad about it even mm-hmm. after watching it. Well,
1: it seemed, when I brought it up, it seemed like something perfectly in your wheelhouse Mm -hmm. with all of these stars and everything and that was that was part of like Uh, it's something Jake's been after me to watch forever. And then I was like, oh, well, I could probably get Hunter to see this one because it's, it's the type of thing that, right. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's absolutely little little Hunter would love little
0: Hunter would love. So speaking of little Hunter, what did little Jake love about this movie that maintains for
2: big Jake that maintains, I, I still like Jonathan Winters destroying a gas station. It is completely unrealistic and whatever contractors made that gas station need to be brought to court because they didn't build a single thing to code. Because a man destroys that gas station with very little effort
1: I think you know i i I like that you bring up that specific scene because i think I think the movie is lacking more of that though because I, that's That's very, that's, you know, it's a very Buster Keaton sort of moment. Well, exactly.
0: It's appropriate that this movie's in the desert because there's a lawn, there's lawn stretches of nothing. mm -hmm. And so I think had they cut an hour out of this movie, that at least an hour, that would have made a huge difference. And
2: it is possible that the, first off, I've never seen it not pan and scan on TV. That's the first thing I'll say. Really? Um, Yeah. Just because this is something that was always on like Turner Classic Movies or whatever. And I would watch it and there's commercial breaks and you get up and whatever. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen it start to finish completely uncut like this, and there are some parts that were longer than I remember, but also it's been ten years
1: mm-hmm. so. well, and there's there's something to the the inner cutting because you know they they get to the point where they're they're cutting between all of the the different uh people you know once they they separate. Um it it's sort of that uh Tony Zhao I think called it uh meanwhile back at the farm. You have meanwhile back at the farm and at the other farm and at the other farm. Um but I don't think that's necessarily being u- utilized to the best uh potential. Like sometimes, particularly when you go back to um Sid Caesar and I forget E Edie D- Eddie Edie uh, Adams. E. D. Adams. Um, in when they're stuck in that basement. Like it's I don't I don't necessarily dislike the antics there, but it feels like every time we go back, it's well, what have they? They haven't progressed much now. He right, has pant
2: and on and, him. and when you have uh, Buddy Hackett and um, uh, Milton Berle, no, not Milton Berle, Mickey Rooney in the airplane, and it's like oh, life or death, and then it goes back to ah, and they're caught in a basement. It's it's a mismatch of tone,
1: mm-hmm. but.
2: I don't and, think the film ever works better than right before intermission when they're cutting between all of them and the theme is playing and yeah. it's just quickly that is the that is the best sequence in the whole film.
1: You're you're absolutely I actually have that in my notes. Like that because they're they're cutting quicker and the score is coming, that score from the opening is coming back in as um sort of a it's it's pushing it forward. It reminded me of uh in the Hall of the Mountain King from Pierre Gint. It's mm-hmm. sort of like it's escalating in um, in the frenetic pace of it, and then you get to then you get to intermission, and then you come back, and it hasn't like it feels like we've dropped off in energy again. Yes, and the third act is kind of weird. It's it's like oh hey we forgot that we're like telling a story and we need to wrap it up, and it becomes um there there's things that are working better about it whenever they all come back together, but then there's also things that slow way way down.
2: And speaking of a weird third act part, um, Milton Burl's wife. Mm-hmm. That really weird scene with her and Spencer Tracy where she's like, I could run away from all these people. I hate all of them. I could I could go to uh, a nun or whatever, What? What? I forget, a convent. It's such a weird, weird thing in that
0: film. Well, again, it feels like they're trying to pad the running time, and apparently the original running time was 190 minutes. This version's about 160, something there's, like that. There's like
1: four, I looked it up, and there's, I think, four different cuts. There was the... Um, original theatrical release, the roadshow release, the extended release, the cut down for TV release. So basically Orson Wellesian uh, level releases. Yeah, and so the, I think the original release was something like 170, 180 something. The roadshow, the roadshow release was like three and a half hours.
0: Well, let me throw this out to you guys and see if you agree. This is a film, with the exception of I'd say you know, maybe Jonathan Winters to an extent, but even if these were the biggest comedians of the time, I'm not really sure even their brand of comedy is – or even their personas are timeless. For instance, this doesn't have Jackie Gleason. This doesn't have Lucille Ball, comedians who are definitively timeless, and I don't think that's just a matter of personal opinion, whereas the comedians in this – I think my, their personal personas may be dated.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think any of them are familiar like they would be to someone at the time. Like Buddy Hackett, I don't think a lot of people, you know, our age or whatever, is going to have that immediately conjure up, you know, Buddy Hackett's persona. Sid Caesar was very funny at the time, still is funny when you watch him. But you know, he, what if if I said, oh, it's a Sid Caesar picture, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know what that meant right away. So I, I agree with you Hunter.
1: i I don't know. i I feel a little differently about it. It feels like, well, I agree it would be it could be perhaps more timeless in a in a very pop culture sense. Um, I kind of like this like it feels like it feels like sort of the oh gosh, I almost said the blue collar comedy club. <laughs> Which is not what I meant. Like it feels like blue collar comedians in a sense of like working class comedians. You know, Sid, Sid Caesar. You know, falls in that. Uh, Mickey Rooney, maybe not. But uh, that that's um, Jonathan that- Winters. There's, there's that sort of quality, quality to them that's not quite as polished as, um, you know, these big stars that that you're suggesting right. well, that i
0: like but well that said though you might have inadvertently stumbled on an app comparison is this no. movie kind of feels like no. if no. you had larry the no. cable guy no. in, in a movie present like no. I, I, okay no. fine no well let's no. wait for
1: the hate the hate mail <laughs> on that one that's i i firmly disagree with that like it, because larry larry the cable guy is a person he makes me itchy in all forms <laughs> Okay, we're
0: going to talk about this here in a little bit, but I get the impression itchy is just a catch off for I don't like this person.
1: No, it's a it's an uncomfortable like I there I I get this like sort of I don't know why we're going over this again. I like it's anxiety that I get. Like, okay, and and um he he is an anxiety invoking for me.
0: All right, so just so no one thinks that I just completely hated this, I will say I did. Lol i this isn't really a spoiler. At some point in time in the picture, characters are replaced by dummies falling from great heights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a soft spot for me. Anytime that happens, no matter when it happens, whenever human beings are flung and change into do- dummies, gets me every time. So I LOL'd at that.
1: Were were there any lines that made you LOL? Like I, I think there were some pretty good well, one liners. Like <laughs> like, yeah, he's got an eye cold, buddy hacking it when they're they're trying to get the pilot or like there's there's a bunch of just like and they go by really quick. See, here's the thing
0: is, to me, it didn't really have a whole lot of dialogue, clever dialogue, and it wasn't really the, – the the filmmaking itself wasn't particularly funny in like a Buster Keaton or even a Three Stooges sort of way. It just – like I said, it felt like a drama director just pointing a camera at a bunch of comedians and expecting comedy to happen.
1: What, what about Milton Berle? It just, just sailed right out there. Mm. Just, just sailed yeah. right out there.
0: I don't really like Milton Berle anyway. But, um, yeah, I mean, so that's the thing. I, honestly, let's, let's throw this out here. Let's play a game. So Stanley Kramer, great drama director. What if this were directed by someone like Billy Wilder, a great dialogue guy and a great visualist?
1: Yeah, written and directed by Billy Wilder. I'd be, I'd be down for that.
2: Um, written, and, would, written and directed by Mel Brooks.
0: And that, and that would have been even further, yeah. even, you know, yeah. even more energy infused into you got, it.
1: You got Carl Reiner showing up uh, in, the, uh, in that uh, control tower. Um, that okay. So this actually brings up something that I I kind of wanted to touch on. Is this do do you guys think this is a movie that could be remade today? Actually,
0: I wanted to play that game. So let's play the okay. It's a Mad World. Let, let game. me
1: let me set it up real quick. Um, because apparently on IMDb there is a listing for It's a Mad 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 World.
2: Uh, wait. a five mad or a four uh, mad? Five, five. A okay, a five mad.
1: Brilliant. <laughs> on, on on IMDb, there is a listing for "It's a Mad 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 World: Colon the Sequel." That <laughs> it says it's set for 2017. There there is nothing listed for writer, director, cast, anything. And I did a little digging on the you know infamous IMDb message boards, and the oldest post I could find was from 2009. So, okay, so
0: clearly this is not gonna happen. But here's the thing, and typically if it were anything like this film, the director would be Steve McQueen
1: or something like that, a very socially oh, conscious drama boy. director. Yeah. Because that's that, Stanley Kramer. Yeah, it is. It is. But here's the thing I like this I like this a whole lot better than Judgment Nuremberg. Um Inherit the Wind I, I like. I haven't seen uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Um but okay. I want to ask Jake since you're our guest. Do you have have you thought about this? If if it was made today, who would you want to be in this film? Who
2: would I want to be, or who would it be? Because I don't see a way it could get made without James Franco and Seth Rogen and that whole yeah, crew so picking it up. Okay,
0: yeah, making. let's okay, let's talk about that. Do you think that do you think that it would wind up being part of like the Judd Apatow comedy brand or some other comedy brand, or do you think it could literally exist independently of all that and just include the best
2: comedians? I, could you could you pick the best? Funny actors, the best comedians right now, without grabbing at least one or two of those guys, though. I mean, just to to fit all the different types of roles you need and also get the same level of star power back then, I don't know how you're not going to tap into that.
1: But to Hunter's point about the star power being not, you know, A-list star power per se... Like, maybe that's what it would, you know, maybe, maybe James Franco is the Lucille Ball. of <laughs> <laughs> no. I think
0: we have our subtitle for the show, folks. Um, the, it, a new Mad, Mad, I'm not going to say it all, our, a new Mad World sequel. It, for me, it would need to have Louis C.K. and Larry David. I would insist on at least those two. That
2: would be really, really good.
1: You son of a bitch. You just reading off my notes now?
0: Yes, and uh, okay, then I, w- I will defer the rest to you. I think it's just that we share, share no, I, takes on I, you're, this. You're
1: right. I mean, there's – and Larry David, like, if you hadn't said Larry David, I would sort of be offended. Like, he has to – because there is something to this, like, it, it's almost proto-Seinfeld, proto-it's-always-sunny, um, that sort of – you know, they're, they're bad people. Um, there's, there's not many redeeming qualities about any of them, but it's, it's still fun to, to watch my patron saint. So, I mean, number one on my list is, and I don't even know exactly where you put him, but Bill Murray, maybe in the Spencer Tracy role, although I would love him to have a little more to do, um, because I think him interacting with, um, with the other characters would be the real payoff,
0: even though he can play it straight. I mean, I, I see your point there, even though he could play it straight, I would rather a dramatic actor take that role. This, I would, is actually thinking Tom Hanks.
1: Tom Tom again. Hanks would be a, a really good pick. Tom Hanks has serious
2: um, comedy chops too. So
1: no,
0: absolutely. Do you have a, a Spencer Tracy choice, Jake? I,
2: I haven't. I haven't thought enough about it.
1: Uh, okay, then let me let me give. I've got a couple more here. So you mentioned Larry David. Um, I mentioned Seinfeld. Like I think Julia, Julia Louis Dreyfus. Um, I, I think really anyone from that you know those four main characters could. Could, well, I don't know about Jerry. I don't think. Honestly, I wouldn't want to see Jerry. Seinfeld no. So okay. So is this
0: just becoming like a nineties reunion? Is Tim Allen and Drew Carey gonna? No, are they gonna show because, up? too? I, I no. think you
2: could get like Nick Kroll or somebody in here as well. Because those
1: Nick Kroll, Nick, you you could get one guy like that. I I agree. And uh, now now that I'm looking at my my cast, my cast is really old. Actually, for or it leans pretty old. Um, I mean, I've got so I've got Alan Alda on here, which is a name that he I probably could have been in the original. Actually, he. he, he no, he could have, but here's the have have either of you seen any of Horace and Pete, Louis CK's uh oh no 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 no. Show. Alan Alda is in it and he is incredible. Um he plays this just old crummy bartender um who is uh he says, you know, he says things that are uh, I guess you would just say today you would say they're not very politically correct, but with he has a heart. To him still, and it's it's sort of he's just very unfail. He's 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 a grandpa sort of. thing Everyone thinker. loves Alan Alda. Yeah, yeah, no he's, need to justify he's, that. He's incredible in it, though. I mean, he's, what and what I'm saying is he still got it. So I would love to see him in it. Probably too old for it. Um, Stephen Tobolowsky I think would be fantastic. Maybe in like the Phil Silver's uh, role, sort of doing. He could be that Ned Ryerson type of character um, in this. And then I have I have one last requ- request that I really want to get in, and that's uh, for the guy that kicks the bucket. It's got to be Mel Brooks.
2: Oh, Mel Brooks would be great at kicking the bucket.
1: If Mel Brooks doesn't kick the bucket, I'm not seeing this movie. Although they... Like, they I, if Mel Brooks kicks the bucket and James Frank was in it, I will still see this
2: movie. Actually, I'm pretty sure they made it right now, they would find whatever member of the cast is still alive from It's a Mad, 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 Mad World and have them kick the bucket.
0: You're probably right. That's actually... That's a, that's a really clever idea. So this was, uh, of course, put under the blanket of a war crime for Chris and myself. So... We'll we'll start with us and then we'll defer to you, Jake. Chris, is this a legitimate war crime? Do you think this is essential viewing?
1: Um, you know, I I think it is in a way. It's a I think it is a seminal film. It is a movie that um, I'm I feel a little bit of shame in not having seen. I think, and it's a movie that I think maybe the best way to be inducted into it is as a child. Um, like it, it's a
2: it's a live action sort of cartoon. Weird. It's a live action cartoon.
1: It is, and it's not like uh, even though they are, um, as I said, sort of they're they're all sort of bad people. It's not. It's not vulgar. It's not like I think you could still show it to a kid, and it's not going to you know scar them in any way. Um, And and I think they'd have fun. It might be a little long for them. Um, It was a
0: little long for me, and I'm a grown ass man. Yeah. So, but I agree with you. I do, even though I didn't really care for it. I would uh, concur that it is. Uh, a seminal thing. I'm glad that I've seen it. I'm glad that I can say Mm -hmm. that I've seen it. Well,
1: and now that honestly, the, the runtime was probably the biggest thing that deterred me. And now that I have seen it, I feel like, uh, like I said before, I would, I would definitely drift in and out of this movie if it was on TV Um, And I came across in the middle of the day because it has that um, rewatchability for me, I think.
0: So, Jacob, uh, as our guest, you get to have the last word. Why is this – why was this a war crime for Chris and myself? Why is it essential viewing?
2: I I feel like as a movie fan, you need to see a comedy that is this big. And this is the best of them. I I don't know another comedy of this scale either in, in length or in what it's trying to do. That really comes close to it. Even if it's not really your style, it, it's still – it's better than seeing 1941. It, it at least gets that genre. It's the best of that genre, and it and it really captures the 1960s. It's it's a 60s comedy.
0: Well, there you have it. So, Chris, given that this is about three hours, I'm assuming you pick something fairly light because I'm sure if it was stronger, you'd be drunk by about the
1: hour and a half mark. You know, I went the exact opposite direction. I went something that is going to, you know, it it has the alcoholic heft that this movie has. Um, It is KBS from Founders Brewing Company. KBS stands for Kentucky Breakfast Stout. Um, And it is a double or imperial stout. Uh, This one. So what this is, this is a um, a breakfast stout that Founders makes that they, they make a breakfast stout um but this one is a little special it's only available in april um which at the time that this this episode's coming out you're probably too late to find it but if you if you do come across it i recommend you pick up a four pack of it um what they do is they take their breakfast stout and then they put it in oak barrels and age it for a year so it gets um a and and they say they cave age it for a year um and so it gets a little bit of a a bourbon bite to it um And it's, it's pretty fantastic. I would compare it to something like, uh, our local bomb, uh, prairie bomb. Um, it's, it's a heavy beer. It's, uh, it, and it's one that you'd probably want to pace yourself with. So you might be able to make it last the, well, depending on what version you're, you're watching the two and a half to three and a half hour runtime, um, of this. And if not, like you'll, you will, you know, endure and be slap happy by the end anyway. And, uh, all the better. You'll, you'll have a better outcome than Hunter.
0: Well, alternatively, at 12.4% ABV, you're probably going to wind up in the hospital on a full body cast, I think, <laughs> after drinking this, or at least I would. Well, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World is currently available to rent or stream on all your devices connected to the World Wide Web. So if you've seen it, please tell us your thoughts at, at com.
1: Or if email isn't your thing, we'd still love to hear from you. Ring the red phone and leave us a voicemail in your best, uh... I would say Buddy Hackett, but whoever you want from, from this film, really. Your best impersonation of someone from It's a Mad, 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 Mad World at 484-424-6362. That's 484 cinema
0: Or better yet, actually bury your opinion along with $350,000 right by the beach, and Chris and I will go on a madcap cross-country race to go find it. I, I think, are you down for that, Jacob? You'll join us, right?
1: Yeah, and then, and then we'll just bring, you know, we'll see how many people are, are in it by the end.
0: We'll bring some of that Kentucky beer and see what happens. Uh-huh. I'll join, but I want an extra share. Well, since you're coming from Louisiana, I think it's only fair because you're probably going to get there last.
1: Yeah. You, what are you going to take? Like a, one of those Bayou uh, uh, fan boats? He's going he's to
2: take a fan boat or ride an alligator. I, I will take a fan boat, but that gets me an extra share as well. It's one per fan <laughs> boat and one per podcast host and one per podcast guest.
0: You know what? We're going to be so drunk on the Kentucky bourbon beer that Chris is bringing, it really won't matter.
1: Yeah, well, we're never going to make it. Is Does your fan boat, is that going to turn into an airplane and fly? Uh,
2: yes, but I don't know how to fly it, so someone's going to have to talk me down. Okay.
0: All right, this has turned into the longest segment close in history. Folks, stick around. We'll be back after the break to discuss some of the greatest titles ever and what we think makes a great movie title during Insert Title Here. Before we get into special features, Longtime listeners will remember that a few episodes back, we inaugurated our inaugural Civil War debate, pitting two essential films against each other to determine which was essentialier. Our first two combatants were the pugilistic pictures Rocky and Raging Bull. Now, while most people consider these the greatest sports movies of all time, one half of this program, who shall remain nameless, hated Rocky. And since that time, he has very deservedly so been massacred and trolled mercilessly on Twitter and other forms of communication by one Jacob Graves. So now Chris and I will give the floor to Mr. Graves to give his insight on Rocky versus Raging Bull. Jacob, in this battle of pugilistic contenders, which would you say is more essentialier?
2: It's – I don't want to diss Raging Bull, but it's Rocky. Rocky is a cultural (laughs) – it, it is a it is a milestone. It it is it is the they put a statue of Rocky up in Philadelphia. Did you know that, Chris?
1: <laughs> I didn't know that.
2: Where, where's where's um, where's that Robert De Niro's uh, Jake LaMotta statue at? Where's that one? I haven't se- <sighs> haven't seen that I, one.
0: I think it's worth noting that as you're speaking, because folks listening right now, we're not in the same room. Chris is getting very itchy. I you can tell. Crazy. Oh, <laughs> the itchy thing!
2: I, 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 I asked Chris, could they do an episode on itchiest characters just so I could figure out what he meant by that word? Because he took the most beloved underdog in the history of American oh, culture man. and decided to say, "Oh no, he's kind of itchy."
1: He, he is. He's really. <laughs> he's not itchy. <laughs> he, he, like I, I could not. If Rocky Balboa was a real dude, I could not be in the the same room with him.
2: And you're like, no, oh I, no, but Raging Bull's way better.
0: Well, after after my reaction to it's Mad World, clearly you and I have a habit of crapping all over Jake's childhood films. Uh uh, I think is the thing. Now, what is your? If I weren't
2: invited to be on this podcast, I wouldn't even listen to it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We lost so many listeners after that one announcement. So, Jacob, I'm curious. Not just the original Rocky, but you're a fan of the series.
2: Um, The series, if you don't count Rocky Five.
0: All right, fair enough cuz that's the thing is, is I actually rewatched Rocky 2, I'm getting ready to go through the rest. Rocky 2, it's pretty weak. There's a lot of weak entries, but I think they all have something for the most part with the exception of Rocky 5. You know what I mean? They all have some cultural yes, cachet. Yes.
2: And and Rocky 4 somehow is almost the biggest of all of them because he fights the Russian. It's like a really it has some really bad part. He has a robot butler. Chris, I don't know if you've <laughs> Happy seen Rocky. Birthday, right? Yeah, yeah. He has a robot butler. I guess they thought that's what we all were gonna have.
1: I'm actually, does it take place in the future
0: no no it, 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 well and here's another thing but actually you know what we'll save this because <laughs> as an
1: outsider this is such a weird conversation yeah well we'll save this for
0: later because jake i as as a devoted listener i want you to to give your backing to this i really want rocky four to be chris's next war crime because oh, i think it's just as God. essential to the 80s as top gun does it mean really?
1: i have to bridge in between to or not, not
0: really no, no not not really Unless you want to, but no, I would say I would say Rocky Four is probably right up there with Rocky as far as cash, cultural cachet in a, in a strange way. Rocky as far is as a defining much the
2: much better better film. It, it it is a it is a great film. Whereas Rocky Four, Top Gun is a really good comparison. It, it's a must see in a really weird way.
0: I love Top Gun though. Well, but that's the thing. Top your Top Gun is I think our Rocky Four is okay. how I would describe it. Okay.
1: Um, so let me, let me just get this straight. So literally when you guys were talking about Rocky five, I was unsure if that was Rocky Balboa or one before that. Okay. Wait, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me try to, okay. So we've got Rocky and then Rocky two, he fights Creed again. Yes. The rematch. And then Rocky three, he fights Mr. T and kills Creed. Does that, is that right? No,
0: No, actually Ivan Drago and Rocky four kills Creed. Oh,
1: Okay. Okay, so Rocky doesn't kill Creed. For some reason, I, I've spent my life thinking that Rocky kills Creed. Um, and wow, then, that
0: must be mind-blowing for well, you. Well, and
1: then I, I figured with the with Creed, it was like, oh, well, I killed your father, so I need to train Jacob.
0: <laughs> Jacob, that's why Chris finds Rocky itchy is for his entire life. Chris thought that Rocky murdered Apollo Creed. And I love Apollo
1: All Creed. All is solved. All is settled right <laughs> I, here.
2: Yeah, if he murdered Creed, yeah, he would be itchy. I'll give you <laughs> okay. that.
1: Okay, so then four is the Russian... Yes, and then five is Tommy the Machine Gun, an Oklahoman, yes. by the way, Tommy Morrison. Um, and then, and then you've got Rocky Balboa, and then Creed. Did I? Did I absolutely how did right? I, yes, that's right. Okay, yeah, so, you you would do well on trivia pursuit, Rocky, at least then, for that question.
2: Then you have Weird Al's uh, Rocky 8, the Rye or the Kaiser.
0: You know, as a devoted Rocky fan, I still managed to miss that one.
2: Man, you're you're missing I, out. Rocky's working at a deli in that song, and he's offering people the Rye or the Kaiser. I'm not making that up.
0: The irony, of course, being is that he winds up owning a restaurant. Okay, well, we could keep talking about this. We'll be doing more Civil War debates, and so this is what we love to hear is people chiming in, giving their opinions. So, you know, the debate's still open. Which would you say is more essentialier, folks? Rocky or Raging Bull? Let us know.
1: Which would you say is more itchier, Rocky or Jake LaMotta?
0: Yes, exactly. Itchier or essentialier? Let us know. What's the most important ingredient to both the movie's success and its long-term legacy? Plot? Cast? Characters? Directors? Editing? Yeah, sure, all of those things. But there's a secret ingredient whose insight is obvious only in hindsight. The title. Let's take a certifiable masterpiece. Casablanca. That movie will always be great, right? But let's give it a lazy, lackluster title. How about Nazis at the Nightclub? Now, can you imagine Nazis at the Nightclub ever winding up on anybody's top ten list? Well, how about we change the name of The Godfather to say, What's the matter with Michael? Or change Gone with the Wind to, There Goes the Plantation! Or how about we rename Rocky, Italian Guy vs. Black Dude, Dawn of Itchiness. <laughs> you get the idea. A title is to a movie is like what your name is to you. It can be either an arbitrary designation that simply distinguishes you from everyone else, or a sublime summation of your personality. Well, same way with a movie's title. Yet movie titles have become more formulaic than ever. Something along the lines of, Superhero Movie 3, Rise of the Bad Guy. Seriously, take a shot for every movie with Rise in the title you'll give yourself an aneurysm. So one must wonder, are great movie titles becoming a lost art? Today, inspired by the magnificent movie title It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, Chris Jacob and I will discuss great movie titles in Insert Title Here. We'll discuss what makes a great title and list off some we love and some we hate. So a few rules first. Our favorite movie titles cannot be the name of the book, TV show, play, or Hasbro toy line that the movie is based on, unless it's different. Secondly, We'll judge movie titles independently of the movie. So while the movie itself may be great or it may suck, we're only focusing on the quality of the title. So, gentlemen, greatest movie title ever! Please blow us away with your respective answers.
1: Uh, well, I I had one queued up um, until we got to Nazis at the nightclub, which <laughs> I would absolutely see Nazis in. Like, if I even like, you're probably right. It would probably be a little more obscure. But then, like. You know, trolling through—I um, don't know—a letterbox list or something. Not Nightclub that club pops up. That's going on my must-watch list. But you, but only once you get to N, whereas Casablanca
0: is C. So
1: I suppose that's true. That's that. Yeah, that would be Jake. Jake has a thing where he just goes through the alphabet at the library, and it's—I uh, I really envy envy his his approach. It's kind of brilliant. So he's still stuck on Avatar then. Yeah, Avatar five. But yeah, my real like sort of ultimate movie title one it's probably my favorite movie title of all time for for so many reasons it's the antithesis of itchy is dr strange love or how i learned to stop worrying and love the bomb i just i love everything about that title i get i get i have the strange suspicion
0: jacob agrees with you
2: yeah it's hard it's hard for me to argue with that uh personally i like Shaun of the dead as a movie title because it plays on the pop culture you know dawn of the dead also, since it's Shaun of the Dead, it lets you know it's a comedy. It lets you know it's a zombie movie. It does everything a movie title should be while being catchy, easy to to share. You hear it once, you know it, you remember it. It doesn't hurt that that's one of my favorite films. So.
0: And and likewise, it's a, it's a cheap pun, and everyone loves a cheap pun.
2: Oh, me, r- me r- for sure.
1: Well, and, and I don't think everyone can get away with a cheap pun, but Edgar Wright does it so well. And
0: so both of you picked good movies. I'm actually going to pick a bad movie that I – nevertheless think has a terrific title and whenever it came out particularly since it came out in the quote-unquote you know contemporary era whenever titles are i think we'll all agree kind of lazy is only god forgives hmm. didn't like that movie that is a magnificent title
1: i i 100 agree with that um and i'm i'm a little more i wouldn't say i, I didn't like the movie but i am a little conflicted with it um, the, the title though, like whenever it was announced, it was like the guy who just did drive is making a movie called only God forgives. I'm sold. Yeah, absolutely. Instantly. Completely sold. Uh, I've got another one on, on my list here. That's one that I just remember from, from my childhood that it's, it's one of those I can remember going through. We, we weren't a blockbuster family. We were like a, uh, grocery store video family. All so right. there was... I,
0: I worked at a grocery store video
1: oh, really? place. So there you go. So there we, there was a much smaller selection. But this is one that I would see time and time again, you know, going uh, to look through the video uh, section. And I don't think my mom would allow me to rent it initially. At some point, I finally did and realized that, well, maybe the title is the best thing. But that's uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead.
0: So you had – an. here's the thing. You had another one on your list that I was hoping you would say, but it actually the same thing applies to what I'm getting ready to say, is I love titles that are statements, declarative uh-huh. statements. It's uh-huh. someone talking to you. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. I'm going to jump the gun on your list. You also have Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. and I, I like love Honey, Ho-
1: I Shrunk the Kids. I love the title as well. <laughs> so. I, I
2: can't see the list, so I thought the next one was going to be Earth Girls Are Easy. <laughs> that's a
0: great title too. That's a that's a magnificent title. But um, a, a recent film that uh, again I'm I'm kind of conflicted about. I liked it, but um, I can see why people didn't. Is Drag Me to Hell? That's another great statement title. I think statement titles may be my favorite, and you don't see enough of those.
1: Uh, okay, I, I got a I got a statement title for you. I think it's a bad title though, and a bad movie. They shoot horses, don't they?
2: Oh my god!
0: How, okay, how's that a bad title? It's a terrible title. I've not seen the film, but how is that a bad title? The title –
2: so you know how a joke has a punchline? Well, that movie – the punchline to that movie is they shoot horses, don't they? Except it's not a joke. It's a torture session. It's terrible. Hmm, (laughs) I
0: guess I I need to get around to actually seeing this. Do you think that maybe you guys' opinion of that title – because me as a a, uh, – having not seen this as an agnostic to this movie, I like that
2: title. 100% influenced by the film because – when you know, in Arrested development, where somebody finally says, "Arrested Development," and Ron Howard says, "Hey, that's the name of the show that when that When someone in a movie says the name of the movie, I always have that same kind of reaction like, "Ah, that's the name." So imagine that's the dramatic point that the movie hinges on at you know the ninety five and a half percent mark
0: that's a good point because there will be blood for instance that's another mm-hmm. great title but in no point in time does Danny <laughs> put this time there will be blood imagine be blood. he
2: grabs that bowling pin and instead of saying you know I drink your milkshake from across the room he says there will be blood and then, <laughs> no, but then
1: it would be it would be it would literally be like the last moment where he's sitting there uh, defeated in you know on the the uh, bowling lane and he would just with like there will be blood. It would
0: drop to Garfield star levels. I yeah. Feel. Uh, so oh. here's
1: let me let me just give you. Do you are you familiar with this movie at all?
0: They they shoot horses, yeah. don't they? Uh, just the title.
1: Okay. So what it is? What it, like the, the plot is? Is it takes place during the Depression? And it's these people that go to these. Is it a roller rink, Jake? Is that right?
2: No. It's a it's a dance competition. It's a, it's a dance, dance marathon. Competition.
1: Okay. Yeah. It's so it's people are doing like a you know multi day dance marathon like the the sort of thing that you do at like a fundraiser where it's like you got to keep dancing or you're out okay this is starting to become familiar but but they're dancing for food and so it's it's you know depression era it's very dark and uh dismal and just it's not a very fun movie and then on top of that it's like it gets through the end and and the the final like conclusion is the punctuation on it is well they shoot horses don't they
0: no, wait. Th- this is a Jane Fonda movie, isn't it? Yes. Okay, so it's a horror flick. <laughs> Sorry, that's an old Cheech and Sean joke. I-, I just had to do it. Cheech and Sean, <laughs> it's a mad, 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 mad world. Cheech and Sean should be in that movie. But, yes. Um, okay, so it's it's a movie with – the. T- that's the thing about the early 70s is it's just everything had to be nihilistic, even if it was mm-hmm. ostensibly a comedy, drama, dramedy thing.
1: Yeah, uh, I I got another one that I like a lot, and it's very minimal. And I feel like it was about twenty years ahead of its time. Um, I think I I like the title. I like the movie. I think you might enjoy the title but hate the movie. Um, I don't I don't recall how you feel about this. Hook.
0: Great title. I'm I don't think it ages that well, but I still like it. Okay. I liked it more as a but kid but, but it's do
1: doing it's doing the thing that maybe five or ten years ago movies started doing where you know you have um, you have you go from Rambo to John Rambo um you go from rocky to actually i guess it's the opposite it's the inverted but it's it's taking something and just you know doing the exact same you know you know you know captain james hook but it's just hook it's or just- the
0: or the recently released pan i yes. i know exactly there, what you're there we talking go. about and i actually hate that cuz it seemed, it's it's hipster nonsense it's just <laughs> it's 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 almost like taking for granted that you're aware of these things and so it's it's winking at you it's almost as bad as somebody saying the name of the the title of the movie at the end of it
1: you just call uh you just call
0: spielberg hipster you know if he's the original hipster then maybe then maybe it's
1: acceptable that's fair i don't know do you think he's a craft beer guy steven spielberg uh yeah maybe probably i i no you know what no, I I I don't think so. I think he would be. He's probably more like a, a working class Miller dude. Working class Miller
0: or wine? I would say wine
1: because he's. I he think he's drinking more wine.
0: beret and things like that. And he, and he wears a a scarf even in the summer, but we're kind of getting off topic mm-hmm. just a little bit. So back to title. Another title I absolutely love, which doesn't really follow any formula, but is just an immortal title is the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Mm-hmm.
2: That's a great one. One I was going to ask if you guys had an opinion on is one of my personal favorites, Big Trouble in Little
1: China. Great title. Beautiful title, yeah. Great title, and and kind of tells you exactly what you're getting into. I I love
2: titles that some exact, like there's snakes on a plane. You Mm -hmm. know what you're getting with snakes on a plane. My Dinner Mm -hmm. with Andre, you know what you're getting with My Dinner with Andre.
0: Well, and to that point is at no point in time In Big Trouble in Little China that I'm aware of, does Kurt Russell say that? But that's one situation where if he did say, you know what, guys, we got some big trouble in Little China, it would have been perfectly acceptable. Mm
1: -hmm. Another one sort of along those lines of just being straight what it is that I loved as a child, and I didn't see the movie for years and years and years, uh, RoboCop. RoboCop was like, as far as 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 I, I mean, that's all you need to know is that he is a RoboCop. That's part, it.
0: He's part man, part machine, all cop. Yes, yeah. as, as, as the tagline states. Like he,
1: that—that's just it. Uh, great, great title for a child. Still a great title. Like. To, to this day.
0: it's somewhat misleading, though, which I actually do love about it because a title like that makes you think it's like a sea level movie, and in fact, I, it's it's one of my favorites. In many ways, Robocop, it's it's a genuinely great action slash satire. I
1: mean, it's it's definitely dabbling in sea level, like sort of. I mean, material. There, yeah. yeah, there's and but it's it's heightening it in a in a weird sort of way through through its satire.
0: Okay, let's talk a little bit about titles we hate. Um, I I hate lazy titles. So one of the titles that just that irritate me is even though i like the pictures rise of the planet apes and dawn of the planet of the apes because to me the dawn comes before the rise but in this film rise became before dawn so the words don't even mean what they're supposed to be mean they just wanted to throw nice sounding words in front of planet of the apes
1: yeah i think that's sort of the that's a trend of a lot of movies i mean sequels whether you put it before or after you know how often do you have rise or how often do you have the the blank of the blank
0: no, honestly, think about it. It's it's a- absolutely out of control. Revenge, returns, rise. They like the R letter.
1: I've got I've, I've got another like along the lines of just like movie titles that I absolutely hate. This is actually what I intended to to come with out of the gate. Uh, Precious, based on the novel Push by Sapphire.
0: Is Sapphire really that big of a name <laughs> that you weird... need to
1: include? I although I I will say I do appreciate the fact that. They they stuck with it because during award season, while it's it's ridiculous, I did love that mouthful being shoved out every single time it was mentioned for an award.
0: Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. I hate it's one of those things. Just put that in the credits. You don't have to include that in the title. Now that said, I do kind of like blanks and then the name of the movie. For instance, Alfred Hitchcock's Blank.
1: Oh, so the uh, the butler, um, what's the uh, – Lee Daniels. Lee Daniels, the butler. You, yeah, okay. You well, that's that the thing
0: is we've talked about this before is what exactly – what qualifications do you need to have to be a visionary director? What qualifications does it need to be – blanks you know film mm-hmm. title
1: mm-hmm. is this like a okay so let's look let, can, can we talk about tv a little bit what about like steven spielberg presents the animaniacs
0: see it's steven spielberg presents that that
1: tiny toon adventures yeah
0: exactly you can in the brain just many things and i, w- I was there for it, particularly as a kid the,
2: the title is just a little promise of quality at that point it's like i promise steven spielberg promises this is going to be good
1: Mark and, and he delivers
2: yes Quentin Tarantino promises that Juan Kar uh film is going to be good. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Okay, speaking of spe- Steven Spielberg delivers. Even though I liked the n- the movie Bridge of Spies, kind of a lazy title, really bad title, Really yeah. very, very, very very lazy. And
1: part of part of what made me not really care to see the movie, like it, that, and like it. Spielberg, Spielberg was in a bit of a slump at that point for for me. Um, lazy really, enough really to
2: scare people off of the movie. I think it's like eh, Bridge of Spies. What's
1: eh. okay? Do Either of you, Jake. I'll, I'll ask you, Jake. Jake, do you have a like least favorite title of all time?
2: I uh, will have to think about it for a second. I, I thought about good titles. I don't dwell on the bad titles like that.
1: <laughs> I, 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 am, I enjoy uh, exploring the the bad title. Uh, here's for me. It just it. This title makes me itchy. We bought a zoo.
0: Oh, we bought. <laughs> God, that, okay, we see, bought I can a relate zoo. to your itchiness. I can relate it's, to what you're talking about.
1: It like I am offended whenever like. I see that on a, you know, the end of a trailer. We, we bought a zoo. What does that mean? Why did you like it? it... it well, and that's the thing is it is a statement
0: title. You know what I mean? So it, it it's not something that should bother me. I like statement titles, but yeah, that is, it's, it it's that is the it's worst. So tacky.
1: <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it would be like if home improvement was like, I work on a television show with hardware tools. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it would it'd be like that. <laughs>
0: Um, another thing that irritated me is whenever people try and put scandalous things into their title or, or, you know, innuendo, for instance, the meet the Fockers and little Fockers, yeah. it's just,
1: okay, uh, you got us. And I don't think necessarily it inherently is bad, but when used in that, like it, you have to do it. I think, I think Edgar Wright could, uh, potentially have a, a great sort of punny title like that. Um, but it would be a little more thought out than just like, oh, we're saying Fockers get it. Ha ha ha.
0: Well, not to pretend like I'm, you know, Mister Rebellious, sticking it to the man here, but that's a corporate innuendo versus, I guess, more Edgar Wright stuff, which is a little bit seems more authentic and organic.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And and a lot of his stuff, uh, like The World's End, actually is a pun title as well, but it's a it, it's based on something in the in the film itself.
1: Yeah, well, and it's more wordplay than pun title. Yes, say. yeah. So here's probably my favorite
0: title, on this really shouldn't surprise you guys, but it really is a great title: King Kong.
1: King Kong, King Kong, King good. King Kong,
0: yeah, that is <laughs> King really Kong, funny. good. <laughs> Fire, bad. <laughs> we're, we're mixing up characters here, <laughs> but I mean, but you think about it. We, is, we bought a zoo, bad. King Kong, good. But it's just that's that's so emphasized. Not just what the movie's about, but just the time period, the 1930s, the mm-hmm. exhibitionism, and so. And clearly, it's it's stood the test of time.
1: You get your alliteration in there.
0: Oh my God, you're absolutely right. You get yeah. your alliteration. Yeah. And so, and it's one of those things, one, it's, it's, it's not just the name of the character, just the, the con itself. It, I, it's one of those things that could have been, to use the Casablanca example, that could have been, been called, you know, freaky island with dinosaurs or mm-hmm. giant gorilla versus T-Rex, something like that. Or like,
1: I mean, how do you feel about King Kong Skull Island? Is that what, or are they just calling uh, it Skull Island? just Khan Skull Island. Kong Skull Island. How do you feel about that title?
0: You know, it's better than Rise of the Whatever. It's, it's not as lazy as the Rise of the Whatever, Return of the Whatever, that kind of approach but it's it's still it, it, feel, lazy. it feels
1: like lost world colon mm-hmm. jurassic park yeah
0: colon titles that's a good way of putting it yeah so
1: with with i honestly only brought up the the alliteration to give you probably my favorite alliterative title martha marcy may marlene
0: chris i will see your martha marcy may marlene with a title that is based on a book so i'm breaking my own rules but tinker taylor soldier spy that's another one it's not quite as alliterative it actually mixes two letters which may even improve it
1: it's it, that's that's like the next step of alliteration. No, that's that's pretty good. All uh, you you might have you might have beat me with that one. You got anything, Jake? Any alliteration?
2: Alliteration titles. Yeah. Uh, nothing aside from something like Red River, which is a great film. Not necessarily a great title, but uh, for alliterative, that's what came up. It's
0: a it's a macho title.
1: Um, what about uh, there? There's one other thing that I wanted to sort of touch on with this before we wrap up. There are some pockets of good and bad. Um, Cohen brothers have some pretty damn good titles. Uh, the Hudsucker proxy. Like, I don't even know what that means, but I like it. Like it, it makes me, it gets me excited before, you know, I even, I even know what this film yeah, is exactly.
0: about. Yeah, exactly. Titles that force you to look up the word, for instance, the Revenant or mm-hmm. the Hudsucker proxy. Mm-hmm. Those are fantastic titles. They may not be, with the exception of the Revenant as a general, they may not be great for marketing purposes, but it, you know, it, it is, it is very enticing.
1: Mm-hmm. Blood Simple. Very simple title, so perfect for what they're going, you know, kind of lean noir. Uh, Inside Lewin Davis, another just like, it it, it sort of fits that very ponderous uh, feeling of of that film. And then finally, Big Lebowski. I mean, how can you go wrong with Big Lebowski? You can't.
0: Um, Another thing I like are titles that, and this, this may sound contradictory, but titles that aren't necessarily as good at the movie, but they belie just how great the movie is. Here's what I mean by that. Something like The Searchers. The Searchers is straightforward. It tells you exactly what the movie's about, but it seems kind of like you know just another John Wayne movie. The mm-hmm. title, The Searchers, and yet it's it's I, I like that. Once again, the title isn't necessarily as great as the movie. You know what I mean? But it's but it's still. It's, that, it's not it, trying to outstage the exactly. movie. Exactly. Well, the, imagine if The Searchers had more like if it was called Turn Into the Earth or something like that. If it tried to be more poetic, it wouldn't work as well.
1: Yeah, and you would. You also wouldn't get that from Ford.
0: Exact. Exactly. Yeah, it it embodied the the personality of the filmmaker and the movie in that way.
2: But what about a, a John Ford movie like The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, which actually might be my my favorite um, title? Something that is a riddle to be solved in the movie. That is that
0: is a beautiful choice. I really like that choice. Great song as well, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. And then, uh, since this is kind of our fanboy obligation to mention this, both of these at least once. Title I love in the King Con vein Star Wars. Star Wars, great title. I mean, it's one of those things. Why did it take our culture millennia to come up with something like Star Wars? It's so <laughs> obvious in hindsight. And then another one I like, sorry, I'm a fanboy, but consider that whenever it came out, every single superhero movie had to have the name of the superhero. I like the the courage of the Dark Knight.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I, Dark Dark Knight's Dark Knight's a good one. And it's it's fitting, it's informative. It's uh, I'm not I'm not going to argue with that.
0: Yeah, with the exception of Man of Steel and you know, of course, The Dark Knight Rises. I even now, however many years, had, eight years later, I'm hard pressed to think of titles that don't include the name of the title character, or the comic book property in the title. So Dark Knight was ahead of its time. Even now, it's still mm-hmm. ahead of its time.
2: Speaking of franchises, a title that was really good and retroactively got worse, Raiders of the Lost Ark is a beautiful title. Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark, not that good of a title.
0: Well, real quickly, you're not going to you're not gonna diss on Temple of Doom, are you? Because that is a beautiful
2: title too. The title's better than the movie.
0: Mm-hmm. We, uh, we, 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 we.
1: Uh, another time. We'll, we'll, yeah, yeah this exactly. Time. We're, this We're is definitely another here. Yeah,
0: exactly. That's definitely another time. But Kingdom of like like you said, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, even if that weren't an Indiana Jones movie, that's horrendous who yeah. wants to see that movie it does
1: but kingdom of the crystal skull is I I'm I mean I guess temple of doom kind of is as well but it it has that feel of the serial like it's it feels like a serial title it's just not a very good title yeah exactly
0: fair enough it has a serial title but not something you wait 19 years for oh my god yeah you
1: no know? no not not something you wait two years for <laughs> not even like, two years. Uh, okay. I, I have a few franchise ones that I would want to, we, we can, we can end after this. Um, this is the last thing that I want to get through. James Bond has a lot of really, really bad titles. Um, and I, I just have a few here, um, on her Majesty's secret service, which I'm on the record for as being like my favorite, uh, Bond movie, really awful title. Really. It describes, it describes his
0: job in the most bland way possible. Yeah. Um, and it's it, like
1: describing what we
0: do is guys talking on microphones. That's that it, what that title is. is a preposition.
1: <laughs> like it's it, it's it's bad. That, that
0: feels like Ian Fleming just struggling to think of something how to expand the titles of yeah. his program or his book series. And, and then
1: you've got a view to a kill, which I still don't fully understand what that means. Um, and then tomorrow never dies. There's, I mean, pretty much anything Pierce Brosnan other than Golden Eyes abysmal octopussy probably worst of the bunch and then i don't know what quantum of solace means and uh then i don't know why this is under my james bond i, st- <laughs> I still know what you did last summer <laughs> i'm just getting um, ready right
0: <laughs> to say he has that which is a good title i think it's a good no, title no not for I know, a james
1: bond movie but <laughs> no i know what you did last summer was a bad title i still know what you did last summer is the worst way to continue that
0: but- great title though nightmare on elm street agreed Great title, and then Friday the Thirteenth. So yeah, a lot of good titles in uh, horror films. So, yeah, but, but, horror is packed with great titles.
2: Before we get off a of Bond, though, can we all agree the best Bond titles are the almost? It's it's almost part of the brand. You take a a, a common phrase and you change it just a little bit, like Live and Let Die, or um, what? What's another good one? You only live twice. Those are or the,
1: Octopussy. I say that all the time,
0: <laughs>
2: defending Octopussy. Yeah, <laughs> die die another day.
1: Die. See, I don't like die another day. I don't like die another day. I don't like if you or I don't like tomorrow never dies. Um, what's the other? What's the Pierce Brosnan one? We're leaving out the fourth one. The, the terrible, world is not that enough. The world is not enough. The world is not enough. Awful. I mean, a it's terrible. Title. It, the world is not enough is what you get when you like put in your the name of your first cat and <laughs> where you grew up into a James Bond title
0: generator. Like, and that's, that's and that's what you get. And actually, to kind of close the loop, most of the James Bond titles. The, the worst of the worst are the ones wherever they have to explain it, and The World is Not Enough is – an example of that is near the tail end. He says, well, you know, Grammy Bond always used to say the world is not enough or yeah, something like that.
1: Yeah. It it totally uh, – they shoot horses, don't they's
0: it. All right. Well, of course, there's been well over a 100 years of movie titles, so we couldn't possibly get to all of them. So those are just some of our favorites and some of our least favorites. So let us know at the incredibly well-titled War Starts at Midnight email address, hello at warstartsatmidnight.com.
1: And you can expect when that uh, Mad, 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 Mad World sequel comes out for, what are, what are we going to call this? Insert title here again? Yes. Are, never, never insert title here again. <laughs> All right, folks. Stick around for our really rad recommendations coming up next. Maybe you can give me just one more tonight. Gonna sit right
3: down tonight. Gonna make things right sense
1: recommendation time once again and uh jake since you're our guest i'm gonna let you go first but please tell me you have a recommendation that has a pretty awesome title
2: um i think so it is il sorpasso which is an italian film by dino risi it's a road film and uh i figured to go with a road film comedy i would go with this italian cult road film comedy um It stars, uh, I'm going to butcher these names, but Vittorio Gossman and Jean Louis Trentignant. Nailed it. Trentignac. Nailed it. That's exactly how it's pronounced. And it is really, really good. Like Chris said, I was going through um, uh, our local library alphabetically, and I usually pick some Criterion Collection films. And even though Il Serpaso in English is the easy life and probably should alphabetically be listed under S for Serpaso, it was under I. And uh, I, I just grabbed it, not knowing a single thing about it, except it was a Criterion Collection film. And I was I was blown away. It's probably closer to, like, a, a comedic easy writer, but it is it hmm. is very, very good. And I've told Chris a couple of times to watch it. Um, and it features, um, just like It's a Mad, 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 Mad World has a good theme song. Il sir has, like, it captures, like, a day or a couple days in, like, an Italian summer when everybody is on holiday um so just nobody's working and there's like one like summer pop song that plays throughout the whole thing and it is really really good but the film is it is great and i didn't expect it to be that good and that is my recommendation
0: see what i like about that recommendation is it's half hunter half chris because on the one hand it's obscure but on the other hand it's kind of already and pretentious so it's a mix (laughs) it's, it's, it's a mix of you and me um, well, mine is neither arty nor pretentious, though it may be obscure. I've actually got two for one real quick. An actor who is going to be and wanted to be in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World was Don Rickles. And he wasn't in it. Very disappointing. I think he would have added to it. But there is a documentary currently on Netflix regarding Don Rickles from 2007 called Mr. Warmth. So you definitely need to check that out. And then another choice is my very first interaction with Jonathan Winters was in a film called The Shadow – from the early 90s in many ways it's just kind of early 90s pseudo action garbage
1: is this the uh what's his face alec baldwin uh, yeah yeah
0: it yes it has alec baldwin and then john lone who you will remember from the last emperor and then directed by nobody nobody no not anyone okay I've... this
1: isn't what i'm thinking of
0: yeah but it has a magnificent score by john frankenheimer but anyway jonathan winters plays alec baldwin's uncle so there's the connection there and so like i said the reason I remember it and hold it fondly in my heart is it was one of those that you see as a kid, mm-hmm. and so I still have it in my collection, still look at it from time to time. So you can probably find that. That's my proverbial Hunter $5 Walmart bin uh, item. So Mr. Warmth about Don Rickles and The Shadow.
1: Shadow is a pretty good title, I think.
0: Yeah, it, well, it was, yeah, but of course, based on the serial from the 30s and right, 40s. Right, right.
1: Okay, so uh, I feel I am obligated to... I, I've got two recommendations as well. I feel I'm obligated to mention Dangerous Men. I didn't mention it in titles just because I was going to recommend it here. Dangerous Men is now out on Blu-ray. Um, go and go and purchase it. Uh, if you order it from Draft House Films, they will actually send you your very own Policeman Police badge, um, which uh, I, I have one. They sent me one as like a... Uh, just... I guess a Christmas gift or something, and it's wonderful. Check my Instagram if you if you want to see that. Actually, I'll post this to our Instagram, which I just started the other day because uh, I felt like maybe we needed well, one. Yeah,
0: exactly. We should we should be on the gram. Though I am curious, does it bother you this being on Blu-ray that the material you watch it on is more expensive than the <laughs> material it was shot
1: on? <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm okay with it. It's it's actually it, watching it when we when we did. I mean, that was a like uh, digital download, but it was a pristine HD like that I think looked better than it did when Jake and I saw it at the drive-in um, so it's it's also great like it's, it's fitting that Jake is on the show and I'm recommending Dangerous Men because that's how it should be um, my my other recommendation is an episode of the Twilight Zone, um, which also wonderful title. Um, it's season three, episode 13. Uh, this episode came out in 1961, just a couple years before it's a mad, 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 mad world and features one of the actors who's criminally under, underutilized in a cameo in uh, Mad, 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 mad world. And that is Buster Keaton. Uh, the episode is called Once Upon a Time, and he stars as a janitor in uh, this like inventor's film. Uh, the factory workshop, I guess, in uh, 1890, and he basically he's sort of this old curmudgeon. You know, he's at this point he it's a couple of years before Man of the World, but he's he's a pretty old dude. Um, and so he looks like Keaton. It's, it's actually presented in the the stuff that's in 1890 is presented as a silent film. So there's title cards and everything. He's got his little his little hat. Um, looks like you know you you know Buster Keaton. Um, stone face, everything. And he's basically this curmudgeon who hates everything. Like he thinks everything is too loud and too, um, obnoxious. Um, you know, the, those horse drawn carriages are just getting in the way and everything. So, um, he wants, you know, he wants desperately to go to another time. And it just so happens that his employer, the inventor has just invented a time travel hat. That's convenient, isn't it? And and I think that's actually what they call it is a time travel hat or a uh, a time travel helmet, something something like that. Uh which is which is just a wonderful term. Um but he has uh invented this and so of course Buster Keaton's uh, janitor character steals it to travel back in time to a simpler time. Instead he goes forward to nineteen sixty-two and it's pure mayhem. Yep. Because yeah. uh you know, because it's it's the modern era. And the the modern era feels very much like uh the past in Back to the Future. Like it has that sort of like town square feel to it. And I mean it's a it's a Twilight Zone episode, so it's um it is dated in a Don't way, but Don't be dissing it has, on the Twilight Zone. Now. But it, well, it, it, it's dated in a way, but it still has a charm to it, and it has, it has Buster Keaton, you know, running around doing his Buster Keaton-y things, which uh, you know how I feel like for my money, like you can't go wrong with that. And Even as as an older dude, he's still killing it. Um, so that and this is actually this is probably the first recommend, recommendation I've ever had that's available on Netflix, Amazon Prime, and Hulu. So you can stream it on all of those. So
0: there is no way you cannot get a hold of this. Yeah. I would just like to point out real quickly that we've gotten to the point in this episode where we're no longer saying the title. I think you might have actually hit on the perfect way to say it, which is mad World. Yeah. That's... <laughs> you just put a couple of M's in front of the 1st m mad World. We should have thought of that earlier. Well, Jacob, thank you very much for being on the show. I, I, we b- appreciate you contributing to the Mamma madness
2: Thank you, and I hope you have me back when you do the war crimes for Diary of a Mad Black Woman.
1: Hunter, have you seen Diary of a Mad Black Woman? I haven't. Oh! I, ha- I, ha- I haven't either. I am dead serious. We should watch this movie. I love Tyler Perry's Diary of a Mad Black Woman.
2: And it has See, Mad uh, in the title, so obviously I, am the, I would be the guest.
1: The only problem with this is I really
0: feel like we're narrowing our options for having <laughs> well, Jake on the show. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying it's
1: the next thing, but we, we, we should add it, to the, uh, add it to the list. Yeah,
0: exactly, before we're canceled by our non-existent sponsors. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's a wrap for another episode of War Starts at Midnight. Please check us out online at warstartsatmidnight.com for show notes, weekly movie recommendations, and
1: more. You can say hi to Hunter on Facebook or me on Twitter at WSAMpod. And as I mentioned, you can also now follow us on Instagram at WSAMpod. I'll be posting uh, looping giffy videos and other... Uh, all that know, crap you kids like. Yeah, all, the, all those things you you youngsters like um, periodically. Uh, you know, tie-ins to the, uh, the upcoming episodes. And, you know, if you made it this far in the credits, let's face it, you should probably... Subscribe to the show on iTunes, and leave us a nice little review if you're uh, feeling so inclined. It'll help us reach new listeners, and it'll make you feel
0: awesome. On the flip side, if you're like Jacob Graves and just like trolling us mercilessly, well then please tell us everything we got wrong at hello at at warstartsatmidnight.com. On the flip side, if you're a narcissist, take it to the next level. Leave a voicemail and we just might play it. Just ring that bright red telephone at 484 424 6362.
1: Shout out to Sam Means for the music on this week's show. Find more at sammeansmusic.com.
0: Join us in another Fortnite as we discuss the second superhero smackdown of 2016, Captain America Civil War.
1: Thanks for listening, folks.
0: Adios. Print. rest in
3: peace. It's all I can do.